Hey, good morning, FCF. Uh, good to be with you this morning, and I'm continuing in a series that we're calling The Pathway to Wholeness. And the backdrop to this series is the notion that every single human being is constantly looking for the highest happiness that we can attain. We're, we're driven to try to find and experience the best life ever. And we've talked about some reasons for this in the past. We'll touch on it again today. But the series is about this. As long as we have certain toxic conditions inside of us, it doesn't matter what things are like outside of us. We could have the best circumstances imaginable, but if these toxic conditions inside of us go unrecognized and unresolved, we'll never have that kind of quality life that we desire and that God himself wants us to have. So we've been dealing with these toxic conditions and now we're going to deal with one that in our society today has gotten a tremendous amount of attention in the past 30 years in particular, and it's self-esteem. And so the title of the message is From Agonizing Self-Esteem to Healthy Self-Esteem. Now, what do you mean by agonizing self-esteem, you might wonder? Well, typically what we mean by that is what uh, psychologists would call low self-esteem. And this message doesn't have anything to do with psychology, but nevertheless, truth is truth, and where truth supports the ultimate truth, it's good to examine it. I just wonder if I were to do a survey with you and ask you, how many Americans do you suppose suffer from what they would call low self-esteem or agonizing self-esteem, painful self-esteem? Uh, do you think one in 10? Do you think two in 10? Uh, how about five in 10? Would you believe, now listen to what I'm saying to you, this is what I'm saying to you, eight out of 10, it's actually 8.5 out of 10 Americans suffer from what they call low self-esteem, or what I'm calling today agonizing self-esteem. So what do we mean by self-esteem? So that means the likelihood is in a room, uh, whether it's your home or wherever you're gathered at, probably you, me, to some degree, have or are struggling with this. You may know that you uh, struggle with this. You may not know. You may be going through life with the, this kind of an uncomfortable feeling and never really know what it's about. So what do we mean by self-esteem? We're, we're talking about a sense of value and worth. Every single human being, you, me, everyone that's ever been born, it doesn't matter where we're at in the world, it doesn't matter what our educational level, every single human being, we seem to have embedded in us this, this desire. We want to be confident that every other human being that we ever meet, they will look upon us and find us as interesting, attractive, desirable, significant, important people that have worth or have value, people they esteem or think highly of. Now let me re rephrase that. You and I and every human that's ever lived throughout human history, we want to have confidence all the time that this is the way people see us. Now, here's where this thing gets to be painful. When we don't have that confidence, when we don't have confidence that every person we meet looks upon us favorably, they like us, they find us attractive, they find us interesting, they, they want us, they would include us, they, they would uh, allow us to belong, they think we're significant. If we don't feel that way, emphasis on feeling, if we don't feel that way, if we don't have that confidence every time we get around another human being, it hurts.
it hurts us inside. So we want to start by asking this question, you know, where does this hurt come from? Why does this hurt us? I mean, there's a lot of different life forms on the planet. Um, flowers have life in them. Plants have life in them, vegetables and things. Uh, insects have life in them. Animals have life in them. But none of that species, none of them feel pain when this issue of their sense of personal value in the eyes of others comes up. It's only human beings. Why is it? Why is it that we, the most powerful, the most intelligent, the most um, complex and controlling beings on the planet, why are we so vulnerable to this? <laughs> you never see a cow sitting over in the pasture with tears in its eyes discouraged because it just can't figure out why the other cows don't think it's worth as much as they want to be worth. What's going on here? Why are we this way? Well, I'm going to read you something that gets us started on this pathway. Why are we so sensitive? Why are we so vulnerable to not feeling that we have the worth that we want to feel that we have? Where does this all come from? I'm going to read you from the very first book of the Bible and the very first chapter in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. There's that superiority I talked about to all the other living creatures. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So as we start to try to untangle this, why does our sense of worth, our feeling of significance and value, why, where does this come from and why is it painful when we don't feel that we have sufficient worth in the eyes of others or within our own eyes? Well, let's start by recognizing what kind of a being we are. Why don't cows worry about it? Why don't, you know... Uh, birds and fish worry about it because they are not made in the image of God. We, you, me, you, you are spectacularly made. We hardly can imagine what kind of beings we are. God has made us in His own image, in His own likeness. But because of this, we feel some things that other lower life forms life forms that have been designed for other levels of function and experience they don't experience. Now here's an irony that I discovered and uh, this is not rocket science either but the more complex something is, the, the more sophisticated, the more potential something has frankly the more vulnerable it tends to be. <laughs> Let me give you a little interesting example. We all have cell phones these days so picture, if you would, a cell phone in one hand and picture beside me, if your imagination allows it, a big blacksmith's, uh, you know, anvil, you know, big iron anvil sitting there. Now you, you can take a, a steel hammer and you can pound on that anvil all you want and you'll never hurt that anvil. It will never be hurt in any way, shape or form. You know what? You don't have to do any maintenance on that anvil whatsoever. You can, you can leave that anvil out in the rain, out in snow, out in any kind of weather. It's not going to bother it a bit. It might rust up a little bit, but it'll still, it'll still do its job. In fact, in fact, you can take that anvil and you can dump it into a swimming pool and it will not hurt the anvil. 
the anvil will still be sufficient. Try that, try any of those things with your cell phone. Take a hammer and hit your cell phone. See how that works out. Take your cell phone and leave it out in the rain or out in the snow. See how that works out more. Some of you probably have done this. Drop your cell phone in some water. Doesn't matter what kind of water it is. Just drop your cell phone in some water and you know what happens. So, so here's this principle, this, this, this kind of an interesting principle. You would tend to think that the more potential something has, the more complex, the more that it can do, and a cell phone is an amazing thing, it can do so much. It's this little brilliant computer we carry around with us. It can do so much that the anvil can't do, <laughs> but the anvil, you can't really hurt. You can't hurt the anvil, but boy, it's easy, it's easy to hurt that cell phone because it's so complex and it has so much potential. L listen to this verse. I've been wanting to take you here. Listen to this from Psalm 139, verse 4. And I'm reading the, uh, uh, the TPT version. Um, it says, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord, Listen to that first part again. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. The reason, the reason, as we start down this trail of asking the question, why, why does low self-esteem bring such agony? Why does it hurt so bad? Why is it so uncomfortable? Well, the reason number one, we are made in the image of God. We're going to expand on that later. Reason number two, we are made as very sophisticated, extraordinary, complex beings. And because of that, we are very sensitive. We are very fragile. An animal's not very sensitive. Cow's not very sensitive. You won't hurt a cow's feelings. But it's really easy to hurt a human being's feelings. It's because we have so much potential that we are also so extraordinarily vulnerable. But I want to probe deeper. What is it? that causes this feeling that I'm not uh, considered to be as uh, valuable in the eyes of another person as I would like to be. Why does it cause pain? It, it, is it possible there's something hidden? There's something behind this? I mean, you know, just because you don't think I'm worth what I'd like you to think I'm worth, why on earth should that cause me to have pain? Um, is there something? Is there something that we need to understand? Let me read you yet another verse. And it kind of puts us on a path to understanding this. Proverbs 19.22, it says, What a person desires is unfailing love. Unfail what a person desires. This is the, the, the Spirit of God speaking. He says, what you humans desire, you humans that are made in the image of God, what you desire is unfailing love. You desire from everybody you meet. You desire it every day of your life. You desire it next week, next month. You'll desire it forever. You want to live in an environment. You're like a fish lives in the water. You want to live in an environment of unfailing love. You're made in the image of God. Unfailing love. Let me give you a little tip off of something. Uh, you've probably, like me, seen some of these entertainers. You know, maybe they just did a concert. I don't know. You know, or maybe it's an athlete or something like that that's just hit a home run, whatever. Um, entertainer finishes concert, whatever, and, and they will turn to the audience. A lot of entertainers, a lot of celebrities do this, and they will say, I just want to thank all of you for all the love, all the love you've been showing me. Well, well what do they mean? 
There's really something to think about here. What, what do they mean? Have, have the people in the seats who applauded because this person could make vibrations with their vocal cords that are pleasant to our ears, do those people in the seats really love that person? Uh, but, but, because the entertainer, the entertainer is, is equating the attention these people gave with love for them. Do, do the people in those seats all love that person or are they loving the, the vibration that their vocal cords can make and the sound that goes into their ears? I mean, is it right to equate attention with love? But, but there's something going on here. Why? Why do we tend to equate attention with love? I mean, you know, I, I could go around all day long all over Frederick County in a gorilla suit. Um, I'm going to get a lot of attention, but the people that notice me, and I will be noticed, does that mean they love me, or does it just mean I'm striking, you know, because you don't see gorilla-suited people every day. Attention is not necessarily love, but we interpret it as such. There's something going on here. What I'm trying to say, why is it that we are so in so much pain when we don't feel that another person looks at us and finds us interesting and attractive and valuable and all those things. Why is it? Because in our minds, we're not going to get the attention from them that we would like to have. And somehow we're interpreting, perhaps we're interpreting attention with love, but it appears to me that what we really want, we really want love. And we interpret another person's evaluation of us with love, right or wrong. Let me share yet another verse with you. This is from the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and this gets right to the core of the issue. It says in 1 John 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another. Why, John? Why should we do that? For love comes from God. The, the core of love, the existence of love, it's something that we receive, that it wouldn't exist if it weren't for God. For love comes from God. It goes on to say this, though. It says, whoever does not love does not know God. And then it finishes out by saying, because God is love. Oh, oh, man, we're getting on a path now. Wait a minute. We're made in the image of God, and God is love. What a man wants is unfailing love. So we're seeing that this hunger we have to feel of worth in the eyes of others. This, we want to go through life with the confidence that everybody we meet, they're going to see us as people of worth. And what we, what we are in agony about is if we think they're going to look at us and see that we are not people that are worth as much as others. That's our real fear. They're going to look at us and they're going to find us lacking in worth. They're going to see others and say they, they have a higher worth because in our minds that means if you get more worth, or if you have more worth, you're going to get more attention. And if you get more attention, that means we think, it's not true, but we think that means you're loved more. What we're really looking for, the reason we're so vulnerable to agonizing low self-esteem is because we're, we're love-starved beings. But the reason we're love-starved beings is that we were created by a God who is love personified. He intends to fill the universe ultimately with His love. And we still have this instinct, just like a hummingbird has instincts to travel far south for long periods of time and then come back every summer up here north. We have an instinct, we have a drive to seek love all the time. Every human being you will ever meet, every human being that's ever lived, it doesn't matter their geographical location, doesn't matter their IQ, doesn't matter their educational level or their accomplishments and so on. They are ever seeking 
love. This thing we call happiness is really all wrapped around like a big ball of tangled string. It's really wrapped around love because we are made in the image of a God who is himself love, has created us with a capacity to experience love and therefore we hunger for it. And one of the ways that we we understand love is when someone values us. Now, now that's, that's not off. That's not off at all, but we can definitely get it kind of tangled up in our minds. Let me add one more verse to this. This is from Colossians chapter 116 in the New Testament. You'll hear me quote this one a lot. It's speaking of Jesus, and it says this, For by Him, meaning Jesus, if you read the verses that go before, for by Him all things were created. Jesus is the creator of the universe. By Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Listen to this last part. All things were created by Him and for Him. Here's the key. Not only are you and I created directly by Christ who is love personified and He has made us in His image so we are beings that live by love, but He has made us for Himself. You were made for Christ. I was made for Christ. The home of my heart, the solution to my deepest longings cannot be found in persons, places, and things, but only in the Creator Himself. That makes me very significant. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you and I were made to experience God's love. We were made by Him. He loves us. He made us because He loves us. He made us to immerse us in His love for all eternity. And He promises in eternity to come that He's going to pull out all the stops. We don't experience it in its fullness in this life because evil is present. But someday, for the rest of eternity, we will experience His love in its fullness. So, let's rehash. Why does this hurt us so much? Because we are made in the image of a God who is Himself love, and we ever hunger and thirst for that love. And we feel like when others don't see us as of greater value as we want them to, if we don't feel that others put worth on us, that we want them to feel, we feel unloved. This is why it hurts so bad. We are complex and beautiful beings, but we are also very, very vulnerable beings. So where is there help for us? I mean, you know, 85% of us, according to surveys, 85% of us struggle with low self-esteem to some degree. We know something of this agonizing pain. So where is there help for us? Let, let's start by asking a simple question. Well, well, how do you assess human worth to begin with? Uh, our, our society certainly has a very clear system on how it assesses human worth. Uh, you can look around and you can see, for example, that uh, as I you know, touched on earlier, if a person can sing well, uh, they are considered to be very, very valuable. People will drive long distances, buy tickets, pay money to hear them sing. If you can play make-believe very well, if you're an actor, uh, once again, people will come to see you. They'll pay lots and lots of money for your salary. So we have a system. We have a system on this planet that tells us again and again and again, nonstop, it bombards us with messages that tells us who is worth the most. And it tells us basically this message over and over again. It says, if you're intelligent, if you're attractive, if you're an achiever, if you're popular, if you're powerful, then 
you have a higher worth than others. If you're not intelligent, if you're not attractive, if you're not interesting, if you're not funny, if, you're, if you can't hit a ball over the fence or run a football in the end zone, you know, if you're just an everyday sort of a person, well then your value, your worth is less than other people. Did you hear what I just said? If my value is worth less than others, is it surprising? that I, you, me, we struggle with feeling worth less. I just wonder, I'm going to tell you, I know what it's like. How many of you have ever had a season in your life where for whatever reason you were all alone, you were letting your mind go into deeper places of self-examination, you're examining yourself, you're thinking about life, and all things considered, you just felt worthless. But why? How did you get there? I can tell you how you got there. You were comparing yourself to others and you were comparing yourself, measuring yourself, weighing your worth based on this system of evaluation that we have in our world. It immerses us, it surrounds us, it, it just pummels us really day and night. But listen, listen to what God says in Romans chapter 12 too. <clears throat> he tells us, do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's the Creator saying, don't listen to this world. Don't buy into its value system. Don't listen to its messages that tell you your worth is higher if you can sing a song, hit a ball out the park, uh, be a CEO of a company, look handsome, beautiful, whatever it might be, but that if you're just an everyday person, somehow you are worth less. He, said, he says in Scripture, don't listen to that. Don't, don't conform to this world. Don't buy into it. Don't let it shape you. Don't let it mold you. Listen to what the Creator says about where He puts the measuring tape on a human being. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, God does not view things the way people do. People look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks inside of you. He looks inside of me. And He sees not the outer things that others see. He sees something deeper. He sees the image that He made us in. He knows how complex we are. He knows our potential. You see, here's the thing. What makes anything valuable is its ability. Listen to me carefully on this because here's the key to this whole message. What makes anything valuable is its ability to experience life and to impact life. Think of the anvil again. The anvil's not going to experience much life. The cell phone can impact a lot. Think of a bird, a pet, a cow, a fish. Think of a human. They can experience life in animal, but it can't experience life on the level that a human being does because we have these very complex emotions and minds and imaginations and, and so much more. So, very clearly, God looks on our inward parts because where He values, you've you got to hear this one more time, where He puts, puts value is not on the outward things, but on your potential, on your design, your ability to experience life and your ability to impact life. Now I want to ask a simple question. If a person is a, is a Hollywood star or, or a leader of a nation or a multi-billionaire, or anything else you can think of, does it, does it hurt their feelings uh, or, or do, do their feelings hurt more than the feelings of a person who's just an everyday person in the crowd if they experience a loss or some heartbreak? No. 
every human being feels things as deeply as anyone else's. We all have that same complex potential to feel, and that's where God puts His measuring tape. So it's complexity that is the accurate measure of worth. So compare this. What's of more worth? Let's think through this real simple. Look at living things. You can look at a flower. You can look at an animal. You can look at a newborn baby. What's of more worth? You know the answer to that. It's the new, newborn baby, but the reason it's of such worth, it hasn't achieved anything. It hasn't accomplished anything. Frankly, it doesn't look that attractive. Most babies don't. I know I've offended some people. They're cute. But let's face it. Babies are just kind of little, little balls for a while. But what makes that baby so valuable? It's potential. It's made in the image of its creator. It has the potential to experience life the same way the creator of the universe does on that super high sophisticated level which makes us extraordinarily vulnerable to anything that sounds like, smells like, looks like we're not going to be loved in the way that we long to be loved and we equate value and worth with love. Now, if I think I'm worth less than someone else, I'm going to be afraid that I'm going to be loveless than someone else, and that brings me agony. And if I start thinking more and more that I'm worth less than this person, and I'm worth less than that person, what do you suppose I finally start to feel? That I am worthless. If I'm worth less, I start feeling like I'm worthless. But that is an utter lie. A human being can never be worthless. We are the most valuable commodity that God has created according to His very own Word in the universe. So here's how we measure worth. It's measured based on our design, it's measured based on our potential, and it's measured on who owns us. Let me break some of these down. Let's look a little bit on our potential. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 29, speaking of those that or reconciled to God, they've come back to trust in Christ our Creator. It says, For He, He knew all about us before we were born, and He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. This means that God wants us to, to wear the image of the human Jesus, which was God in flesh. This means the Son, meaning Jesus, is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like Him. You say, what is human potential? Human potential, every human being that's ever been born has the potential, the God-given potential, the God-given spiritual DNA to become just like Christ, to wear the beauty that Jesus of Nazareth, God in flesh on this planet, the, the same beauty that He wore. And God wants this life of ours to be a constant developmental journey toward that end. But a human being has that kind of potential, and that's what makes a human being so valuable. We're created by Christ. We're created for Christ. We have the potential to become like Christ. That, and that is the key to what makes you, I, me, all of us eternally valuable. So it's based on our design. It's based on our potential. Let me add to show you what potential every human has been given by God to have. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter in the Bible, it says in Revelation 22, 5, Night will be no more. They will never need the light of the sun or lamp because the Lord God will shine on them and they, meaning human beings, they will reign as kings forever and ever. This is your destiny. This is your God-given potential. This is why every human life, every human life is immediately, immediately of immense value. This is the kind of potential we have. So value is based on design. 
is based on potential and it's also based on ownership. Who is the MI? Who do I belong to? You know, you, you may see uh, a, a neighbor's car get scratched and it might bother you a little bit, but if you see your car get scratched, you're going to run outside. Why? Because it belongs to you. The neighbor's car doesn't belong to you. Listen to what it says in uh, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 10, verse 14. It says, The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Let me read that again. It says, The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong, who owns the heavens, the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 3, it says that, that God says all souls are His. God is the owner. You are, you are made by Christ and for Christ. You, you are meant to belong to Him from all eternity. He loves you and created you with, with a, an eternal destiny in mind. That makes you of immense value. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You must reject society's uh, evaluation system where they want to measure your intellect and they want to measure what you look like and what you smell like and what you can do and what you can't do and who you are and are you a moving or shaker, are you an achiever, uh, you know, how many PhDs do you have, all this nonsensical stuff that in Judgment Day is not going to mean one single thing. God puts the tape measure around a human heart. He says, I made you for myself in my image with the capacity to live and to experience love and life on a level that no other being can, that makes you valuable. I designed you valuable. I gave you potential to be like Christ Himself, and I have designed you to reign as kings for eternity. That's your potential. And you're mine. You're mine. I own you. I love you. You belong to me. God owns you, owns me. And that gives us immense value. Folks, listen to me. Don't buy into the multiple lies that are filling our society today about how to elevate your self-esteem. They'll say things like, oh man, you know, just like find things that you're good at and just kind of do that. And you'll feel good about yourself. Never compare yourself to others. Well, that's a good idea, but you can try all those things. You can try to have the right look, the right, the right, right way of dealing with people, the right relationships. I don't care what it is, the right career path. None of that. If you are trying, if I am trying to feel my worth, that is an absolute guarantee you will never, I will never feel my worth. Because you see, my worth is a God-given thing. If God gives it to me, then I don't have to earn it and I can't earn it. And if God gives it to me, no one can take it away. No society can judge it as being incorrect unless in my mind I allow them to take it away. So here, as, as we, we conclude this message, God, the loving God that has created us all in His image and for Himself and who loves us and has planted in us this desire, this ever longing for perfect love, He is showing us today how that we can step out of agonizing self-esteem once and for all. Randy, are you saying that this will never bother me again? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that if you will take this truth that God is sharing with you today and you remind yourself every time the messages come up, oh man, I bet you those people are judging me poorly. I bet I'm not going to fit in there. I bet they won't like me. I bet they don't think I'm attractive. I bet they don't think I'm interesting. I bet I'm worth less than others they like, which makes me feel worthless. Unless you counter those lies, even a loving God can't help you, but He wants to today. He wants to take all of us and put us on the path to wholeness. And it's a path. 
it requires progress. It re requires uh, you know, determination. I'm going to remind myself of God's truth again and again. I'm going to close out with a really simple illustration that I hope will nail this down for you so that you will never again in your life be tormented by agonizing self-esteem. Okay. I want to ask you a simple question. Do you know your name? I know that seems rather obvious, but I want you to think about it. Do you know your name? All right. I'm going to assume you can answer affirmative to that. I'm going to ask you another question. Simple question. Clear question. Are you human? Are you sure you're human? Now, I'm going to assume that there's not a person that hears this message that won't be able to answer immediately, of course I know my name, and of course I know I'm human. All right, well, let, let me set up a situation for you. Supposing that a room full of people all of a sudden started saying, we don't believe that's your name. You keep telling them, no, that is my name. And then they go further. They say, matter of fact, the more we look at you, we don't even believe you're human. Now, they start uniting in voice and saying, we don't believe that's your name, and we don't believe you're human. Uh, are you going to start to bend? Are you going to start to doubt yourself? Supposing the crowd grows, suppose, suppose it's a stadium full of people, let me, let, me, let me get it bigger, suppose it grows to seven and a half billion people on the planet. And seven and a half billion people all gather and they say, we don't believe that's your name and we don't believe you're human. And they say to you, do you dare to go against the majority of us? You're one and seven and a half billion of us tell you that's not your name and you're not human. Now folks, I hope I hope you would be able to quickly say, I would look all seven and a half billion of those people in the eye, humbly, but with, with great clarity, and say, I know who I am, and I know that I am human, and nothing, follow me on this, nothing that you will ever say can or will change my mind. You cannot take my identity from me. You cannot take my humanity from me. And so you can believe whatever you want about me, but I know who I am, and I know what I am. Folks, this is the message. The most wonderful personage in the universe created you in his own image. He is love personified. He created you to live in a universe where every being in it loves only always, all the time, is full of kindness, full of righteousness, full of goodness. For now, evil is present and we don't experience it. We live in a world that we cannot trust the way it judges human beings. And if you or I, knowingly or unknowingly, buy into that value system and we start trying to get a sense of our value based on running higher, jump, you know, jumping higher and running faster and achieving more, looking a certain way, doing a certain thing, you're going to be tormented. I'm going to be tormented unnecessarily for the rest of my life. Your value is a settled thing and you didn't determine it and therefore you can't lose it. I don't have to earn my value. You don't have to earn your value. I didn't choose my name. It was given to me. I didn't choose to be a human. It was given to me. You and I were created in the image of God. We didn't choose it. It was given to us. And it was He that said we are eternally valuable to Him. How valuable? Jesus came and declared it in His life, declared it in His Word, seals it in His message, this book we call the Bible, and ultimately sealed it with a demonstration for all eternity. He went to a cross to declare once and for all this almighty, 
God who needs nothing so loves we fallen, frail, fragile human beings that He would suffer and experience death itself to prove to us that He loves us, that He wants us, that we can trust Him, and that's how much you mean, and that's your value. Your value is based on two things. Christ created you, and Christ declared and proved how much value you are by dying for you to bring you back to a trusting relationship with Himself. Get off the path. Get off that path that leads to nothing but frustration and pain, and get on the path of wholeness today by embracing God's one and only solution to bring healing to our hurting sense of self-esteem. We pray with me? Father, I know that this is a source of tremendous pain, tremendous confusion, uh, wasted energy where people will, will struggle and do terrible things to themselves to just to try to gain uh, of the approval of others. People will, will bury their lives in, in enterprises that uh, they believe will elevate their worth. Just, just awful things we do to ourselves trying to earn something that we can't earn, something you bestow on us. I pray so much, and only your Spirit can do this, that you will help every person who hears this message to know for the rest of their lives, as sure as they know their name, as sure as they know they're human, they will know that since you, Lord Jesus, created us for yourself, and you loved us enough to demonstrate it by dying on the cross to express that love, may that seal our worth, our self-esteem, the self-esteem you give us forevermore. Father, I ask all this in the name that you have revealed yourself to us in, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. FCF, thank you.